And welcome back, it's part, it's Talking Bollocks part two. Yes, it's a festive special for you festive people. Um, uh, basically, it's carrying on from the uh, from part one. I mean, if you haven't already listened to part one, get yourself over there, listen to part one. What are you doing? Um, if you want to listen to part two first, that's that's entirely up to you. To be honest, they are interchangeable. The fact that one's called part one and one called and one's called part two is pretty much is pretty much immaterial, really. Um, but one thing for sure is that you are listening to Talking Bollocks, and my name is Howard Smith. I am the lead singer of Acid Rain. You can reach us on AcidRain.co.uk. Not that anybody uses websites anymore. Or do they? Oh, you can also follow me doing uh, comedy uh, as the character Keith Platt, keithplatt.co.uk. Nah, definitely not. Or you can find us on all social media. And you can also find Talking Bollocks on social media. You can find Talking Bollocks on Twitter. You can find Talking Bollocks on fucking everything. And please do go to uh, Talking Bollocks YouTube channel. Um, which is Talking Bollocks with a Z, and you can catch up with Bollocks Radio for December. There's a radio sh- new radio show that I'm doing coming out every month on YouTube, but it's also available for everybody to listen to on patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. Click on posts, click down the page, and there you will see it, and you can listen to it there as well. So... And while you're at Patreon, why don't you sign up as a subscriber? What the hell? You could have had this ages ago. You could have had this, uh, uh, you know, a good long time ago. Uh, you get your own bollocast. You would have been able to submit questions to all of these people that I've interviewed. And it's, oh, it's all sorts of fun. Oh, it's lovely. It really is. It's Christmas. Or maybe it's not, depending on when you're listening to this. But, you know, right now, it fucking is. I am Santa bollocks at the moment, okay? Um... So, look, uh, this is one of the specials. You've heard the first one. This is pretty much same, well, same, I wasn't set, not same thing, but same format. I talk, but not for long. And then we get straight into the interview. So, without further ado, let's crack on. Straight into my first interview with um, my good friend, Simon Yarwood. He um, he started the Uprising Festival. We played the first ever one. Yeah, and we played the first Amplify Festival. Anybody spotting a pattern here? Um, but he's going to tell you all about it and what's behind the scenes and, and you know, how much fun it is to organise or not, depending on, you know, what happens. So here is Simon and I talking not long ago. Mr Smith. Uh, good morning, Mr Yarwood. How are you? I am very well. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Excellent. Thank you for taking time out on this uh, miserable Saturday morning. <laughs> Bleak day. It is, isn't it? Yeah, shite, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hey, this. Um, I, I am recording, by the way. Um, I always, just, oh, okay. I always, yeah. So uh, we, we, <laughs> we've got the the low energy, two old men moaning about the weather's cracked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the weather's shit. <laughs> yeah, and this, uh, this, this, this podcast is going to be going out as a two part special over Christmas. So we're uh, we're we're really cheering people up and taking them out of their Christmas funk. <laughs> um, so um, I, well, hey, straight in. How are um, how are things for uh, Uprising twenty nineteen uh, looking? Uh, thing, things are looking really well, to be honest. Um, nothing out there in the public domain at the moment. Yeah, uh, don't expect you to. A uh, bunch to... of busy bees working. Behind the scenes. Well, I, th- I think uh, I think both of us know at least one band who are playing. I, I think we possibly do. Yeah, you know, <laughs> enough said. Move on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, Simon, tell okay. me, 
Tell me, tell me, um, what inspired you to start it in the first place? Because I mean, I was, I you know, when we when we got that um, the offer for to play Uprising, Leicester de Montfort Hall, um, the first year, which was twenty sixteen, was it? It was, yeah. Yeah, 2016. Yeah. I, I mean, we, you know, we jumped at the chance. Obviously, legendary venue. But I just thought, wow, that is, that's that's some way to start. You know, you're not you're not starting in some sort of, uh, you know, small uh, weekender in a pub. You you absolutely went for it. That must have been quite the undertaking. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it, it just sort of snowballed really from. Um, I basically took on the the Leicester um, franchise for the Metal to the Masses. Um, you know, obviously, we, we played Bloodstock through Metal to the Masses in 2014, and I've been sort of quite involved with it since since we played. Um, and then come 2016, I actually took on Metal to the Masses into Leicester. So myself and my partner Matt, we were just kind of chatting about what to do with the final and what what was out there and, and what we could do that was you know, a, a bit of a, a showcase in terms of Metal to the Masses following us. And it, it just, the conversation just got bigger and bigger. And uh, Matt had sort of spoken to Demon Football previously. He, he puts on a, another festival. Um, well, he puts on two festivals in Leicester that are you know, different genres to, to metal and, and, you know, the heavy rock end of the spectrum. Uh, so it was just quite an organic process, really, where we just ended up with this, this big monster of a um, big monster of a gig, and then we needed some bands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, it, it's just it was. Um, I mean, I remember speaking to you at the time, and you said um, you said Sharon, who is Sharon Richardson, our agent, was a was yeah. a real help in putting it together as well. Well, not putting it together, but helping you kind of talk through the minefield yeah, of, of bands. She was. Yeah, because uh, I mean, obviously, I've put on quite a few gigs, and I, I do. Yeah, you know, I do quite a lot around. Leicester in terms of, of gigs for the you know the, the underground uh, bands and obviously with with a venue that holds a couple of thousand people we needed to step up and a, approaching a band on on my band's level is you know is, is a chat over the phone or in a pub or a quick you know message or email and, and everything's booked then to step up to you know the, the next level um, was a, a bit out of the comfort zone. Uh, and yeah, you know, Sharon was was very helpful because she taught me how to speak in 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 festival band booking terms, I suppose, which you know, which was, I've took on board. And it just makes each year a, a little bit easier to to step up again. Yeah, yeah, and um, and and you, but you've also got so much more to to kind of get your head around as well, haven't you? Such as you know, merch and stuff like that, and bands arriving at different times yeah. of the day. Yeah, logistics of, of a, a, you know, a one-day in, in speech marks festival um, in terms of that, that amount of bands, that amount of people, gear, um, you know, it's not something you can do as, as, a, as a one- or two-man uh, crew. You know, there's, there's people whose names I don't even know on, on the crew. There's that many people involved in it from, you know, from start to finish, really. Yeah, and it, it it's... Um... I mean, it, just the just the actual. I don't know. You've booked you've booked the venue. You've got the tickets done. I mean, it, there there must have been times where you were like, "What have I done?" Every day since since the end of twenty fifteen. 
<laughs> including today. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I, I don't think there's a day. I don't think. I don't think there's a day goes by when you're not you're not doing something uh, around that event. You know, there's always some little, even if it's a tiny thing, that there isn't a day of the year that doesn't go by without a conversation um, or a, a little sort of wheel being, you know, another cog being put into place. You know, even if it's a tiny one, it, there's, there's just always something happening, and you know, there's always little issues that pop up. So it, it's it's a 24 hour a day job really yeah and just to keep a few hundred people happy well and, and presumably as well you spend a great deal of time batting away inquiries for people who who who, who want to play the festival that you're kind of sorry you know the gates are closed as it were. yeah we, I'm, I'm i'm reasonably lucky there because we don't do the normal um you know applications are, are open route which just opens floodgates to yeah. you know thousands yeah. of, of people running through an application process. So I've kind of always tried to steer away from that anyway. Yeah, um, very that sensible. To say that I don't, I, I don't read and listen to bands that, you know, that do send emails in. You know, I, I will always look at anybody that sends an email in. But we, we try to make it as much as we can by invitation. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then obviously bands will always get recommended to me by other promoters and, and people in the industry. Um, I'm, I'm forever sort of looking out at, you know, people are getting a, a lot of buzz about them, and, and there's that that many bands that are worthy of a slot that you, you can you can run a, a full weekend event purely on invitation. You know, as long yeah. as you, you've got a good grasp of what's happening around the country and, and beyond, um, I, I just think it can be done without the the typical apply to play our festival today emails and social media posts. Yeah, and also I think. You know, I mean, personally, coming from just thinking about it myself, I, I have to say, I think that's the way I'd want to do it as well, because ultimately what you want is is kind of three days of bands that you want to see. Well, I don't think it's even that. I mean, I've booked bands that I can't stand. If, <laughs> if I know that they're excellent. Yeah, yeah. thanks, you, you thanks know, for if, doing if, that, if, by if the way, Ray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if, if a band is excellent, you know, um, then whether I particularly like what they do is almost irrelevant i have to i have to not think about how much i like them i have to think about how good they are right i'm so tempted to ask who's the band that you've booked yeah be careful uh, yeah. <laughs> who's the band that you've hated the most apart from acid rain um... apart from acid rain yeah <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think i've ever booked a band that i hate um but i have definitely booked bands that that, that don't uh, that don't sit with my sort of taste. Yeah, but, but bands, but bands that you know well or have been told, look, they're going to shift tickets. Yeah, yeah, and I'll listen. I think you know what they're they're absolutely brilliant at that, and I'd never buy an album. Yeah, well, but fair, that well, doesn't mean that. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. You know, uh, everyone's got to book Lawnmower Death once. Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, it, it, your time there, I think that's like five minutes in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and to be fair, the band I've slagged off most so far is Acid Rain. So you know, yeah, I've, that's quite I, true. I, 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 to be fair, you, you, you are you are the band that said I feel like I've just done a gig in a hotel foyer. <laughs> that second stage felt like a hotel foyer. 
it really did. It was kind. It was so weird. It was so weird. Um, and it was, it was fun, though, wasn't it? Oh man, it was fun. Man, it was fun. And also, I loved. I loved the um, the juxtaposition of hell finishing in the main room with the with the full on fucking heavy metal stage show you're, under you're the, the pyro yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you go and then you go into the room next door and there's me wearing a Leicester City top climbing over the PA and and, and all of us are just That's fucking right. having a laugh and taking it in turns to get get amongst the crowd. Yeah, it, it kinda of set the bar really, didn't it? I think. Yeah, you know, year year one, if you're gonna start something you you've got to do it with a bit of a punch in the in the face i think and i think we managed that you know we, we definitely put the, the event on the map absolutely and didn't you um didn't you uh, w- was that the last was that the last show that hell have played so uh, to this date um I, no I, I think they did something in europe afterwards yeah um but Possibly not. No, I no. I think you might be right. I think around 2017, because I was trying to get yeah. Andy. I was going, trying to get Andy Sneap to mix uh, uh, the man who became himself, but um, he, I, he, yeah. he, I think he had some European dates lined up with Hell. Then, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sure they did something. I, I have, I've spoken to to Kev recently, um, but yeah, they have been very quiet since. Yeah, but well, Andy's a busy man now, isn't he? Well, why don't why don't you get why don't you get his new band on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll try that, shall I? Yeah, come on. He's you know. I haven't got room for the wardrobe. <laughs> You've got. I haven't got room for the fucking fans. <laughs> well, yeah. It, yeah. There is that as well. Yeah, yeah. It'd be ridiculous. It'd be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Not, not, nice to see. Nice to see him doing so well. Oh, isn't it though? Isn't it? It's it's just yeah. a it, it's a dream. It's a dream come true for him, and I'm I I couldn't be. I, I couldn't be happier. I mean, I, I bumped into him at Bloodstock whilst I was stuck outside trying to get in, ironically. Um, yeah, I, I did see you trying to get in, ironically. Yes, you did. Well, funnily enough, I ended up... I did, yes. I, I ended up out, stood there for half an hour chatting to Andy because he couldn't get in either. Um, oh, right, okay. Yeah, we were in a slightly different position. Uh, you know, I was wait, I was waiting for Cannibal Corpse's guest list to come through and he was playing in the headline band that night. Um, yeah, but um, <laughs> neither of you could get a wristband. Yeah, yeah, basically, um, but it all worked out in the end anyway. But I, I remember watching. Uh, it always does. Yeah, it did. Did I? Did I bump into you when I? I think I bumped into you not long after spending, like you know, a, a couple of hours or. An I, hour I, and I've half seen on. you at accreditation and laughed at you because you couldn't get in as I walked in. You did, didn't you? You didn't I, even I, stop to say I hello. Did, yeah. No, I did. I, I did say. Something like, have fun, <laughs> and I hope you can get in. Yeah, and, and I'll possibly see you later. And then I did see you later. And then and then Andrew O'Neill, Andrew O'Neill walked up, told him the situation. He walked over, got his accreditation, uh, within about five minutes, pointed at it, laughed at me, and then went in. Psykeela <laughs> <laughs> came out, smi- well, smiled, and went back in again. It was just like, oh my god, this well, is ridiculous. H, if you can't laugh at yourself, it's it's always better to have other people laugh at it. Well, exactly, and uh, and that's that's what I'll be hoping tonight uh, at my comedy show that you know people will be people will be laughing at me, um, or uh, or rather Keith, as I should say. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, so anyway, look, it's slightly straight off the subject. Um, 
have you um have you found out i mean obviously you're approaching the the third uprising have you um uh, you know what have you learned in that time four fucking hell jesus yeah what am i like yeah you're right of course um what have you what have you learned in that time? You know, I mean, you know, pitfalls. Uh, is there have you put processes in place that you didn't have before? You know, what's what's. Uh, yeah, we've, well, we've we've brought more people into the into the family. Um, so where you know the first couple of years, I, I kind of felt like we we were trying to do everything uh, you know as a two two man team uh, with a little bit of help. I mean, obviously, we've always had uh, Andy from. Very metal art's been there from day one, you know, doing all the art for us, and and also a lot of you know help and advice and batting ideas around is has always been always been there. Um, but bringing in you know like a dedicated sort of press team and people that uh, specifically look after crew and, and stages, you know, it, it's just growing that team so I, I can basically look after seven or eight people rather than. 70 or 80 people makes the days easier. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think really the, the that that's probably the, the main thing, is it just to be able to go to one person and make sure that his or her piece of it is working properly. Yeah. Rather than look at all those pieces that are in that, that one little department. So you've got... Based... Uh, I've, I've found that... I've, yeah, I've kind of enjoyed each each day, each year, better than the year before. Yeah. Because I've felt that um, there's sort of less on my shoulders to, to make sure that it's, you know, it's working. So you basically you've got people uh, you've got people reporting to you, letting you know what's going on in each area, rather than to have a run around and find out yourself. Yeah, that that's right. Yeah, I mean at the main stage is you know we've got to the point where it runs itself, and then we've tried to move that over onto the second stage as well. So you know we have a second stage manager, um, so you know he sort of pops in. The production office with the uh, you know, updates, and uh, he actually ran around last year, jumping up and down, waving his hands around because he finished forty-four seconds before time. <laughs> yeah, so so that, that that's kind of his you know his, his, his elation point was that it was forty-five seconds under, uh, you know, finishing time at, at the end of the day, which is, I suppose is quite a feat if you know if that's your job to to achieve that. Then you know he's, he's done that. Perfectly, hasn't it? Well, especially, um, uh, especially, a, 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 you know, an event like that. You know, you've 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 got to be you. You're obviously on top of your shit if you're able to uh, if you're able to finish at because you always hear tales of you know, yet people being there long into the night, still you know, still dotting the i's and crossing the t's and what they wish they'd done or were trying yeah. to do a few hours previously. Yeah. But um, yeah, well, no, I, we're putting. Yeah, we're putting little. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the the also the kind of the, like the backstage area and everything else. I think don't, people don't realise it's just as important. You know, it's just as important, if not more important, than front of house. I mean, you know, front front of house you got to keep you got to keep the punters happy and keep them entertained, and you know, back of house you've got to keep everybody happy as well. Well, yeah, because if if the if the band and, and the band's crew aren't happy, it just comes straight across to the to the customers. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the first thing that the person in the crowd sees is is the um, the, the the position that the, the band are in in terms of you know how how they feel. You know, the band's 
buzz in, then it just comes straight out into the crowd. And if the band's had a, had a bad time before the walk on stage, you, you just see it instantly. You know, I've, I've been on stage and I've, I've been in the crowd, and I, I know how the the mood that the band are in affects you know, affects the crowd out out front. I was I was just going to say actually, do you think it's um, do you think it's helped the, given the fact that you're a musician yourself um, that that's you know that that's that's helped to a certain extent. Uh, absolutely, a hundred percent. From from the, the sort of the smaller gigs that I put on at, at the Firebug, all the way up to uprising, I, I I just try to do everything so that a band member, whoever they may be, is treated how I would like to be treated. So if I turn up to play. You know, a, a festival type event and I've got a 30 minute dressing room window and, and a bottle of water to share between the bands then I'm just going to think well that's not very good is it yeah I, you know, I, I don't expect a lavish meal but I expect a, a degree of hospitality so we, we just try to put that over and it, even the bands you know lower down the bill they might be sharing dressing rooms but you know there's sandwiches and drinks and beer and you know, you know we, we look after them because that, that's well, that's the level I'm at so you know I, I can gauge what they should be uh, getting in terms of hospitality yeah, so we then dr- just try and step it up a little bit so that they get a bit more than they would at, at the next event they play so yeah we're always the favorite <laughs> yeah um, I- you know our headliners this year we, we sent them off into town you know and we fed them off-site so they could sit in peace and quiet in a nice environment with home-cooked food, you know, and then brought them back up to the uh, to the venue to play because they didn't particularly perhaps want to have to sit in a dressing room all day long. That's that, that, that's a nice touch, and I think you know, I, I think I think you're right, and that certainly um, sits with me that you you know, it's the it's the little things, isn't it? You know, it's the little things. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. That that yeah. that make all the difference. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much, does it? It's just a little bit of thought. It doesn't take much. You're right, and 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 like I say, the, the little things have a big impact. Um, and it's little things like that where people go, you know, when, when you when you are like you know traveling back to the hotel that night, or you're on the road all the way back, you know, to to your headquarters or whatever. It is the little little things yeah. like that that stick with you. You know? Yeah, of course it is. And when people say like... And so that maybe when when we want to invite somebody back, you know, uh, be it Acid Rain or, or whoever, I would like to think that they'd jump at coming back to play that event again because that they're going to remember... that They're not going to remember it as, as a person in the crowd watching their favourite bands. They're going to remember it as, um, you know, somebody putting on the show and how they were looked after and how well... You know, they enjoyed their set, and and the crew that they had to work with is what's going to bring them back. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and we and you know we had a we had a and also you you make an important um, distinction there as well because there will be you know on the journey back there will be a discussion that involves the crew as well, and they'll be chipping in with you know either fucking hell I never want to play there again, or I tell you oh you know oh you know I tell you what was really smooth. Yeah, stage manager was a, stage manager was a dick. Yeah, 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 and that goes a yeah. long way. Yeah, doesn't it? But um, but no, I, I, I mean, I remember our crew saying uh, saying to us um, uh, back in twenty sixteen. I remember our crew saying to us that would you know they had their shit together. We had somewhere you know we had somewhere to park. We were we were told you know we were told when we when we'd need to move it. When we moved it, there was house crew there ready to help, and you know it was. 
smooth as. And I have to say, you know, when you're when you're when you're driving towards a festival and it's its first year, you do kind of think, well, you know, we're we're you know. There, there may be times today let's, where we just... Let's be honest, Pach, nowadays, nowadays you wonder whether the doors are going to open or not half the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you just, you are thinking there are going to be times today where we're just going to have to kind of hang in there and bear with them. You know, it's yeah. it's their foot, but there was there was nothing like that. It was it, it was smooth as. No. Um, it, it made year two. I, I think I had more pressure year two than year one because year one I didn't really know what, was going to happen. We, we did what we could. We booked the bands and we planned it out and then we, we jumped in there and it ran minute perfect and there was no hiccups and no no, no issues. So then year two come round and it, it was a case of um, that this really has to work because nothing went wrong last year. So yeah. year two was, was quite daunting. Yeah, and you... year two went really smoothly. So last year it was just walking the park. <laughs> Brilliant. Apart from possibly losing a massive headline the day before we announced all the bands, but yeah, I hope. Oh fucking hell! That's that's a bit of a kick in the balls. Yeah, we we lost uh, well, we lost decapitated on the Thursday as the poster was going out on the Friday, and I had five thousand flyers and things that I had to sort of set fire to. Oh no, no. Yeah. So, um, I mean, in a situation like that, what happens? In a situation like that, you, you don't go on social media and cry to the world. You just knuckle down and you, you change what you can in the time that you've got and you find a, a, another headliner. You know, Luckily, we had a bona fide, you know, so like decapitated to bona fide of a you know, Swedish hard rock band. You know that they they actually had a tour date cancelled. That their last tour date, uh, so I spoke to those, and you know they they sort of jumped in uh, last minute to fill the slot. But what I have found is that you can't. You know, social media now is so viral and so um, instant that you can't sort of bear your soul on social media because something's gone wrong. And it, it was no, it wasn't an issue with you know the, the band or, or ourselves. It, it was just one of those things where something happened and and um, it just wasn't going to happen. So you you just have to always show to the public that there's you know nothing's wrong, even if in the background you're running around like headless chicken trying to fix something. Yeah, because the public perception is is you know really important. Not that things are always going wrong, but you know that's that's probably our worst issue that we've had to deal with, and publicly nobody knew. And it comes. You know, we, we just we just dealt with it. It comes back to one of my favourite phrases, which is "Don't do your dirty washing in public." That's right. Yeah, I, th- I think Sarge was up at like three o'clock in the morning doing a new poster because we were announcing bands at nine. You know. <laughs> But, and the poster had the wrong bands on. But again, but again, you don't post that on social media because, uh, and and, well, let, and and let's be on it, let's be honest. You know, some people do, um, and it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and it's like, well, what do you want? Do you want a fucking medal? Comes with the territory. Move on. Yeah, yeah, it's just life, isn't it? You know, yeah. jobs get cancelled, and you know, think things get changed. It's just that's just how it is. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the biggest festivals in the world have. have had headliners and you know huge bands that were booked that became unbooked and nobody'll ever know. They just 
crack on and do the job. Well, I'll, um, I'll, it's I'll. No te- different. Someone couldn't fix your boiler, is it? And then ringing up saying that they can't make it, and somebody else has to come and fix it. It's, yeah, just how it is. Yeah, good on you, man. I mean, well, look, I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you off air, um, uh, a, a a festival that you know, and a festival, uh, a, a festival organizer that you know, who had a uh, a similar situation um, uh, a couple of years ago, and um, the and you know lost the headliner just before about to announce because one of the band had forgotten about a family holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 uh, unless you unless that tells you unless that tells you who it was, then you will be very amused by me telling you all about it when we when, when we finish this interview. <laughs> um, and I it might similar. It might it might possibly as well. Uh, oh Jesus! I hope it wasn't you. I hope I have, my memory hasn't turned to shit and it was actually your festival. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it wasn't. But um, yeah, I can't say who. But uh, Sharon told me the story. I was just like, "Oh, you are joking!" She's like, "Nah, couldn't believe it." But um, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's, it's life, though, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, life's pretty fluid. Everything changes all the time. Just it's just how you deal with it, isn't it? Well, it is, and you bring up an you bring up um, uh, an interesting aspect of um, of, of a festival, uh, which is the the social media around it, and. I mean, I know, you know, that there's a reason why on our 2017 tour T-shirt, the uh, the fifth date was your house, you moaning twat. Um, <laughs> you know, you you don't have yeah. to you don't have to contend with that because you're always in the same city. But by the same token, you get the oh, them again or why don't you book or oh, people tagging bands and, and all of that shit. Yeah, yeah. And that I mean, do you personally run the social media? Yeah, and is that fun? <laughs> yeah, it's great fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It, it is because you 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 try to to, to police, um, I suppose, a, a happy, um, positive environment, but you've also got to allow people to say what they feel. Yeah, you know, and I I, I might jump in if I think something's going, you know, a bit off. Off, off the line but in 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 general i just tend to you know we've got an uprising forum and you know obviously the uprising page and, and stuff and i do let people do and say as they wish but you know unless it becomes offensive or um you know or anything that i feel is isn't helping the cause i'm, I'm all for healthy debate and you know people to be constantly throwing bands at me because to be honest there are times when i've looked at those bands and gone why have I never heard of this band? Why, why, why is this band new to me? You know, they're, they're amazing. So yeah, I, I do try and let it just just be itself, um, but there's forever an eye on it. Yeah, yeah. And, and... You know, one thing one thing we would never do, myself or the other admins, you know, we, we, we never berate any other events or you know try and make out that you know where the place you should be. I mean, the, the weekend that Rising's been on. You know, over the last uh, three years, you know, it's a bank holiday weekend. There's all sorts of things on. You know, there's bearded theories on the same weekend. You know, just up the road with you know ten or fifteen thousand people there. However, um, you, you know, there's, there's events all over the place, and people, to, to my mind, all we've ever done is gone. This is what we're doing. We'd love you to come along. Not this is what we're doing. It's the best thing. You need to be here. You know, it's 
you, you put something on and you hope people come and you know, enjoy what you've done. And if they don't, then that's absolutely fine. Well, ultimately, people are going to, you know, it's your bill that is going to draw people to the event, isn't it? So, yeah, of course. So you and have and to... you can't guilt people into attending something that you've put on because, you know, this has cost me X amount of thousands of pounds, therefore you must come and, and attend. That's just not, not how you do things. And there's a, there's a lot of that around, I think, you know, where people are almost guilting the, you know, the public in, into buying tickets and attending. And I just don't, it doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, it, it, you're right there as well. I think some people fall into the trap of... H, I'm always right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we might have a problem there, because so am I. Um... Oh, OK. Oh, OK. <laughs> we must agree on everything then. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, no, it, it, it's... It, no, but you're, you're right when you say, you know, you... I, I, like you say, some people sort of guilting and saying... You know that you know. Oh, if you don't come to this event, you know you're really going to miss out, and 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 all the rest of it. Yeah, it's not going to happen again because it's you know I put my house on the line, and if you don't come, yeah. then I'm going to be bankrupt, and it won't happen. And we do it for you. It's, oh, just shut up. Just I've, put your bill together. Oh, and you put your tickets on sale. You've you've really you've really hit a sweet spot with me there because I think there's. There's, there's there's two festivals that I can think of which have gone down the woe is me route, um, yeah. and I and and I'm afraid. I just think, well, it's tough shit. It's because well, it, 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 really, it, it's not it's not a charity event. It's not a um, it, it's not a community event. It's none of that. It ultimately it is called a business proposition, you, you, and you put a, and you yeah. put an event a festival together on a business plan. And if you are if you are now putting all over social media that your business plan fucked up, well, you know the the key part of that is your. It's not nobody, you know. It's not. Exactly, it, yeah. It's not the yeah, audience's it's on your fault. Own head. It, yeah. Yeah. It's it's not it's not the audience's fault for not turning up. Oh. Hang on. <laughs> My stupid wife has just spoken to Alexa, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> or somebody has. Yeah. So where were we? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, now, I was just saying, you know, the, the, you know, when you go on social media and complain that people haven't turned up or no one's supporting the festival, it's like, well, well your business plan turned out not to be any good. And the key part of that is your. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I, I mean, we, we've always been in a position where if myself and my partner were the only two people watching the bands, it'd still go ahead. And <laughs> we wouldn't be happy, but it wouldn't mean that it wouldn't happen the next year. Yeah. You, you know, it's you, you just look at what you did wrong. And I, I don't know, I'd, I'd never go out and buy an advance ticket to an event that somebody was saying might not happen because they need to sell more tickets. That doesn't really... Instill any confidence, anyway, does it? Yeah, and also I think if your if 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 your event is struggling and looking like it's not going to happen, then you've established what you've established there is that there isn't a market for your event in that area. So you either need yeah. to change area or look at the event. You need to change something, but the onus is on you, not on every fucker else. 
Yeah, yeah it's, not, it's not the public's responsibility, is it? Well, no, no, it isn't. And it's, I mean, I was I had a right old chat with uh, Andy Pilkington um, when I was over in, when I had a day off from the studio, because he's over there that way now, and we were in Wales. And, um, His and, house is lovely, isn't it? I, I popped in the other day, actually, and uh, had, a, had a coffee with him. Yeah, it's not as nice now I've been there. Um, oh, well, OK, well, I went the right time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it is, it's, it, it is, it's lovely. And, um, I mean, yeah. you, I mean, my drive there, coming from the Welsh end, uh, my sat-nav took me round, took me this really fucking weird way to his house. I mean, like, down single-track roads that had more grass growing out in the middle of it than it did any kind of white paint. And um, yeah, I think I think we may have driven the same roads. Really, you took that really yeah. fucking mental route. And, yeah. and the weird thing is, when I when I went back to the same location, oh, Satnav, Satnav took me on all main roads. I'm, I swear I could hear it laughing about the route it told me to take there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was fucking ridiculous, but. Um, but we, when we were talking, it, Metallica tickets had just come out and people were moaning about the price. And Andy made what I, what I think is a really, really valid and great point. And, it, and that is that it, it, music's a privilege. It's not on your fucking shopping list every week, is it? You know? No, no, absolutely and, not. And, and, you know, no, no, one, no one owes you... No, you know, bands don't have to be inclusive so everyone can go. It's a business. And you can either afford it or you can't. And if they've priced you out, then they've then they've priced you out. And unfortunately, that's life. It's the it's the same way that you've been yeah. priced out a lot of other things. And just because you've seen them loads yeah, of times like a before, holiday. yeah, exactly, exactly like a fucking holiday. Um, yeah, it's a day out, isn't it? And if it's and if it's no yeah, longer financially good. viable, then then sorry, but that's that. Then you don't go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but for the some realities of life. Yeah, it is, but for some people, for some reason, I think it, it, you know because there's so much passion and emotion involved in music, it just blurs the lines, and it's very, and so they find it very difficult to be objective. Um, and I think that's the yeah, key. Passion's good, though. Passion's yeah, great. Yeah, it, it probably is. Yeah, that that one word is probably the thing that that, that is the difference between their music and, and and anything else you'd be spending your, your, your spare money on. Yeah. Yeah, because and also because you have a connection to it, and because you know invariably yeah, music, yeah. you know it's been part of our life. It's been part of all of our lives from very very early ages. So you know, occasionally we can uh, just the the view gets a bit a bit skewed, really. Um, but um, so, how have you found how have you found actually dealing with um, dealing with agents, and certainly. You know, um, are there any? Is there a, a number of questions for you? Is there any agents that you? And obviously, you don't have to name them. But is there any agents where you think, well, I'm not going to book any of your bands ever again? Or and and you know, how helpful? The bigger the band, the more difficult the agent to deal with. What's that been like? Because that that was um, that I've, was something I've, that you hadn't had to deal with before. Yeah, I, I feel that. Um, so so the, the bigger agency companies will have, you know. 10 agents let's say in in their team and I, I feel that you kind of you go in at the bottom so you, you your first port of call is is the agent who's looking after the you know the lower tier of, of fans on the roster and then you have to kind of work on that relationship and build that confidence in you as an event 
and um, you as a you know, professional person and you as someone who is actually going to pay you know, the band. Um, uh, so I, I see it as a, as a long-term sort of relationship building exercise. Yeah. So I'm not going to try and jump in at the man at the top who looks after Metallica because I know I've got to prove myself, I've got to prove my events, I've got to prove the way we work, you know, by looking at the, the maybe the lower bands on, on, on that agency's books and then, you know, year two, year three, year four, whatever, um, you know, move move up the ranks. You, you just can't put on an event, you know, where, let's be honest, we can get a couple of thousand people in, in the building and just expect that, you know, a band that plays O2 Academy main rooms with two and a half thousand people in there are, are going to instantly jump on the bill. Yeah. Because they're, they're not, you know, and, and you have to, you have to build those relationships and, and it, it takes time. You know, there's, there's a reason why um, Megadeth are on um, Instagram wearing uprising T-shirts, you know, because I would love to think that one day in the future they'll come up and play. And everything takes time. I, uh, you just so you just magic you just dropped that in there, and I, uh, I I was completely unaware of that. Do tell what happened there. <laughs> uh, well, well, funnily enough, uh, my, my friend Phil, who runs uh, Motley Brew, um, he had um, a business meeting with uh, Dave Ellison because he does the coffee, and and so that whole thing came about that they were sat chatting, and and obviously Phil's talking about uprising because he's been you know, sort of involved with it from day one and obviously he's a bloodstock doing the Motley Bruin and everywhere else. So uh, we ended up, um, you know, me and Phil saying, well, you know, it, it's, it's, it's almost more than a business um, partnership there with you and Dave, you know, it, it's it's more friendly. You, you'll meet if he's in the country for a coffee and stuff. So, you know, how about you start selling our event? And I don't care if it's five years down the line. You know, it's absolutely fine because I'm, I'm always looking to the future. Yeah. So, you know, if if a relationship needs to to be five years in the making to the, the point where somebody sort of trusts you implicitly, then I would I'll, I'll, I'll put the time in on that on that relationship. And I think it's the same, you know, with, with all the agents as well. When they're looking at the at the festivals, that they don't want to have to turn around to their bands and say, "Oh, sorry, that's that's been cancelled," or, you know, "I'm really sorry, they still haven't paid the deposit," or, you know, you, you just have to you have to prove yourself really. There's there's too many people putting on things that they throw the, the name festival at, and we don't even call Uprising a festival, you know, because um, I, I don't think it is. It, it's 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 Uprising. It's not Uprising Festival. But, you know, in terms of dealing with bands and stuff, it, it's kind of looked upon in, in that in that bracket. And there's so many of them fail, and there's so many people that think it's easy, that I, I think it probably takes longer now to build those relationships than it might have done 20 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you, I think you're right there. Um, uh, you know, the, the, with the, the proliferation of, you know... Um, of bands over the years you've also got the proliferation of uh promoters um and yeah. and and people making those mistakes um and and, and you're right i mean I, I don't know why but yeah whether it's the entertainment industry or whatever but um the music business is if you can if you can be the person that um that does what they say it goes a long way 
because so many people don't. Yeah, 100%. Even if what you say isn't what they want to hear. It's, you can't knock honesty. Yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's, it's that simple, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, people, the listeners are sick of hearing me say this, but, you know, when you're, <laughs> when, when you're honest, yeah, people can disagree with you. They can really not like what you're saying, but ultimately their takeaway has got to be, well, but at least they were honest. Yeah, at least they were honest. You know, because there's, there's, and especially in the music business, there's just so many people who go around their houses with every excuse they can rather than actually, you know, divvying up the truth. Um, yeah. But... Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard. It's, it's really tough. But, you know, when you get that yes come back, it, it's the best feeling. Uh, and the, the, when the people arrive at, at the venue and just seeing how much fun they're having... You know, for for a day or, or over the weekend or whatever, it kind of everything else that, that you've done leading up to that, you know, as tough as it might have been, just disappears. Yeah, and all the conversations and all the agents and all the suppliers and, and everything else that goes goes into it, you know, that, that you, your payback is just the smiley faces. Really, it's not even it's not even the financial payback. Because, yeah. you know, as we all know, everything's done. You know, if we break even, I would imagine most events are of the same nature. You know, breaking even is your goal nowadays. Yeah. You know, and just to be able to do it again the following year. Yeah. So you know that you can't uh, you can't survive on breaking even, but you can survive on loads of people smiling and shaking your hands and thanking you for you know, putting something special. But also, if you take in the longer term plan as well as you clearly are, like you know, Megadeth playing five years down the road. As long as it keeps breaking even, you can keep doing it each year and creating yeah. a brand. I didn't say the word playing five years down the road. <laughs> I was saying that, you know, it, it, theoretically, it would be nice to if, um, so, you know, yeah, no, no, I, however I, long it takes to, to make that happen. Yeah, yeah no, 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 I, I, I get that. But, yeah. Well, fun, funnily enough, my next yeah. question was going to be... Um, how how far do you do you look in advance? So, for instance, yeah, you know, you've got twenty nineteen. You've started on that. W- will you? When will you start looking at twenty twenty? Will there be? Uh, and are you in a position yet where you'll get agents saying, you know, uh, is twenty twenty happening and get offered bands or and anything anything along those lines? Or are you just focused on the year in hand? Uh, well, how we've had to work. We're especially working with the month at Hall, is, is we can't book a date for the following year until the previous year is done. Right. So we can't. We we've we never been able to put in the in the dates in the diary to to even have those discussions. So you can have a um, a, a general discussion, but without any dates or or things in place, it's difficult for that discussion to be anything other than just a you know, would you be interested? Obviously, the first thing that comes back if you speak to anybody about would you be interested is when is it? Yeah. <laughs> and if you can't answer that question, then then it you know it's we, we don't we don't need to start the conversation. If we can't carry it on, um, we we have got things in in place now where that I I believe that um, from the 2019 event onwards that we will start being able to, to actually book the diary um, for years before the, the, the current one is, is done and dusted. So we'll be to look in you know, at, at the following year or two years um, after next year's event. Yeah. 
Uh, so obviously, I think those conversations then will will start happening because it does happen. You know, we'll, we'll speak to a band, you know, maybe you know, 2017, and they'll be on. We're sorry, you know, they're not available, but you know, we'd love the band would love to do the following year. So it would be nice to go. Well, yeah, that's great. Then this is the date. You know, is that feasible? And we haven't been able to do that because of just the way the venue um, works there, there and with us being a you know a new event, they need to make sure that financially it, it was working for them as well as as well as us. Yeah, because that is ultimately that's the two questions, isn't it? It's it's when is it and and how much are you paying? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. where as well. Oh, mate, you've di- you've disappeared. What have you done? You're kind of you're, yeah, you're you're going really faint. You're still there. Ah, that's better. Yeah, okay. Must have been where I was stood. All ah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the where is important, but I, I think um, I mean after next year we'll be looking at year five, uh, and I think uprising itself, the, the name, um, will will now start to carry. The, the booking rather than the, the venue, rather than the venue. So you know, if, if Bloodstock moved from the field it's into a field fifty miles away, it's still be Bloodstock. Yeah. If, if yeah, if Download moved from you know, one airport to another, it, it would still be Download. And I'd like to think that now that we're you know looking at year four, the uprising has become uprising, and it, it's almost. Um, getting to a point where it could be held at a venue and as long as it's still uprising in, in terms of how it's ran and, and the bands and, and the atmosphere, that, um, you know, the, the, the where starts becoming less important. Yeah, yeah. As long as the venue obviously is a suitable venue, um, it, it's the event, hopefully, that the people are, are coming to. And I actually did a little bit of fishing with, with the public a few months ago, you know, what makes uprising uprising, because... Everybody seems to have a great time, and I, and I was surprised at how few people actually commented on the venue. Right, right. You, you know, because I've I'd always sold De Montfort Hall as you know, rising to the, the poshest metal event in in the UK, and then I thought, well, you know, what makes it posh? Is it the venue, or is it is it the way it's put together and and the way that people are are treated? And uh, yeah, so putting that sort of you know, what makes uprising uprising, and to get all the answers back and it, you know being you know meeting all my bloodstock friends before you know bloodstock and you know and, and you know the lineups always eclectic and interesting and well thought out and you know it's the organisation's great and I love the real ale and you think well you know okay so it's it, it's the it, it's the event itself that's, that that people look back on you know, rather than the um, the, the grandeur of, of, of the venue so yeah you know I think the the possibilities of, of you know moving to bigger, different, you know, weirder, stranger places and that, as, as long as the the event itself is still the event, the, the where becomes less important. So do you think do you think that's the first do you think that's the first indicator that you're kind of um that that you that the event has uh, the first stage in development, if you like. That it's like, right, okay, well we started here and you know the venue is a big sell and right x amount of years in now and we've kind of we're now we've gone up a level we've gone up a notch because the venue can the the event can can carry its weight no matter where it is 
Yeah, there's, I think um, it will be... I don't think it's ever going to move away from Leicester. Yeah, I, th- um, I, I, I think it's a great... Uh, you know, it's, it's the middle of the country. It's yeah. it's, it's a great uh, great city. I, I love the city. I, I love the people. And uh, yeah, everyone's behind um, Uprising as an event. Uh, yeah. And so many things we can do, you know, that, that don't involve just that one building. Yeah, you know, so there's, um, there's, there's grounds, there's, there's uh, you know, the university, 500 yards down the road. You know, there's all sorts of things. And we're constantly looking at, uh, you know, 10 years down the line. And, you know, 10 years down the line could be a completely different animal to, to what we've got now. Yeah, yeah. Um, God forbid. Well, no. I mean, it's. it's I mean, do do you ever? I, I'm occasionally. I I do like to kind of sort of look back to 2015 when the band first came back and go, wow, you know, look how far we've come. Um, and it's important to do. I've seen that. you in Nunnington. Yeah. Oh man. Wow. Yeah. Fucking hell. Well, yeah. You're you're right there. Then you are right there. I was there. I d- yeah. I'm, and I'm really keen, I'm really keen to go back to Nunnington at some point as well, um, possibly on the uh, on the album tour, because um, I think it's a, it, it, it's a, it's in a really it's a really cool part of the country that collects from places that get ignored. Um, and uh, yeah, well, if, hey, if you do and don't play Driving Spirit and Leicester for me, I'm probably never going to speak to you again. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? So, so don't don't even think about doing uh, an album tour and and it not include uh, Leicestershire. Well, so, you know, wise, you, you're probably going to be in the area anyway. I'd imagine, maybe. You never know, mate. You never know. And literally, yeah. I say that because I have no idea. Because <laughs> you, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't even don't even know when the fucking album's coming out and on what label. But you know, and so the tour is quite far off. But um, yeah. but but no. Um, uh, the point I was going to make was, you know, look, do you do that? Do you kind of sit down occasionally and go, actually, do you know what? It's worth taking time out and just looking at what we what we've achieved so far and patting ourselves on the back. And because it's very easy to get caught up in on that that treadmill of next next all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose um, I suppose I haven't really thought about it, but but yeah. Um, I don't think I'll ever have the same feeling that I've had at the end of the first one. I mean, I actually sat in my hotel room at the end of Uprising 1. I walked down to the hotel, sat in the room on my own, the wife had gone home, and uh, I actually, you know, shed a tear of, of, of joy because of, you know, how amazing everything went and, and how happy everybody was. Year two was more a case of I sat in a hotel room on my own and and sighed a massive sigh of relief that it didn't all <laughs> fuck up. Yeah. So I do take myself back to to year one because I don't think I'll ever get that feeling again. Yeah. Because it was that was completely alien to me, you know that that, that what we'd done. So every year after that is more a case of thank God that didn't die on its arse, or thank God everything went okay, and well thank God that tour bus turned up on Tom. You, you know, so I do. I suppose every year go back to how I felt at the end of the first one. Yeah. Because that's how I should feel at the end of every one. But I think you can only feel it once. I think you're right. You, well, you lost your virginity and you can only do that once. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's pretty much it, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, look, that, that that's a lovely place to leave it. Please do hang on, because I've got some stuff to talk to you about that I can't talk about on the podcast. And um, and also, <laughs> also I've got some friends, uh, some friends. I've got um, some uh, Patreon questions as well from from Patreon subscribers for you. So, um, but for now, okay. Simon, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time out. Cheers, Alex. Pleasure. And there you go. That was my chat with Simon. Um, and one thing that uh, it, it, one sort of factor that is increasingly um, crossing my mind while doing all these interviews is the is just the undertaking, you know, just the huge not. I mean, you know, there's the financial undertaking for a start. Will we cover ourselves? Will we make money? Will we lose money? But then there's all of the logistics and everything else. Everything that has to be considered when putting on a festival, and then and then the venue as well as you heard from Simon there as well. You know you you got to get the first one out of the way before you can book it for the for the next year, and is someone going to beat you to it, etc. etc. I mean it is just, I, I yeah, um, people who do these things and and you know start these festivals um, with all of the I, I ju- I've just got you know a huge amount of respect and admiration for for all of these people. Um, and proper festivals as well, you know, not an all day or in a pub, proper festivals. Um, I mean, yeah, it's such a massive undertaking. It really is. Um, you wouldn't catch me doing it, that's for sure. <laughs> OK, so it's now straight over to friend of the show, artist for Uprising, artist for um, Bloodstock. By that, I mean, he does the art for both. And also booker of the second stage at Amplified, the very metal stage as it is, Very Metal Art stage, because this is the head of Very Metal Art himself, or as you better know him, and I better know him, Andy Pilkington. Yes, it's Andy's on again for another chat. I know you all um, uh, enjoy it when Andy and I get together, as do we both as well. So isn't that just, uh, isn't this just one big circle jerk, eh? Um, uh, Without further ado, here is mine and Andy's conversation not long ago. So, um, uh, hello, Andy. Hello. Hello. So, um, we have already done the Patreon questions, which is great. So, we're, we're all we're already warmed up. Um, if only the general public could hear what we've been talking about, H. They'd be, they'd be in awe, wouldn't they? Well, you know, they knew. well, you know, it's quite easy. All they need to do is sign up at <laughs> patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. Um, to, to, <laughs> I'll, set, I'll set him up. You were here, mate. Absolutely, absolutely. Nice one, mate. Um, so, um, uh, yeah. I mean, I've uh, I've had. I mean, I I think of you being involved in two festivals, but in completely different capacities. So it might be an idea to kind of um, talk about the two festivals because obviously you yeah. are uh, involved with Amplified because you have a yeah. the, the second stage is the very metal art stage. Yeah. Um, so, so in, in terms of Amplified, I, I book all the bands for for that stage, and uh, sort of help with Gary booking and making suggestions for the other stages as well. And uh, we do the design of a bit of PR and, and general sort of collaboration behind the scenes. So much more involved in that one than uh, than anything else. That's kind of the the one where I've got the most involvement. Well, we've had had Gary on, and um, uh, uh, and funnily enough, I've also had Simon Yarwood on, and you've done the, the his visuals as well. Yeah. So you're you're the one who <laughs> ties every, you tie everything together. But also, I was actually um, I wanted to start with your involvement as it is how it's grown over the years with um, with Bloodstock. Yeah. Well, my, my involvement's actually fairly recent. Um, ah, right. I sort of. 
in the early days, I was definitely, you know, I've done a lot of Monsters of Rock, and then I was uh, someone who went to download a lot when it first started, and it was still sort of more of a manageable size, and then stopped. It was about 2008 or something like that was my last one. But then I, I started going to festivals just to, to do work and, and, and probably travel a bit more during the festival season, sort of get abroad and then had kids and stuff. So we kind of just took a step back from all that. And then I kind of, through through my music work, design work, got more involved with Bloodstock um, and went for the first time only, only four years ago. Um, and ever since then, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, really, because I, I, I kind of went as a fan, um, got knew all the organisers, knew a lot of the people behind the scenes, um, did a little bit of video work for them, um, but then was invited to pitch to to become you know a little bit more than that, and I and I've become a lot more involved in in all the design and doing the t-shirt work and stuff like that, which is a an amazing privilege for me, you know, to see something I admire and love so much, and to have my work sitting alongside the likes of uh, Paul Gregory. Um, you know, and, and seeing, seeing it on thousands of people's backs and in the form of T-shirts and on posters and on the big screen. So I'm, I'm much more of a, uh, a, a pure designer when it comes to Bloodstock, but um, absolutely, you know, feel part of the family as, as everybody who works with Bloodstock does. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a job for, for passion, really. But also that's, that's, an interesting, um, that's an interesting perspective as well from, from a design point of view. Um, from uh, you know how different is it dealing with a festival so for instance you know you've got the festival shirt you've got lineups and you know you're halfway through a design and and you've you've been told basically leave room for x amount of logos or all of a sudden this band's out and you know how how does how does that kind of govern how you start out working on it um yeah it absolutely does i think it's something that comes with experience more than anything. Um, you, you kind of, you, you work on something, then you experience the fact that you're asked to change it all the time and bands drop out, bands change things. You know, some, some bands are picky about their logos. Some bands insist theirs is the biggest. So you, you constantly having to redo these jobs all the time, whether it's the t-shirts, posters, the videos. And I think once you've done that a few times, you, you just learn to anticipate it and, and, and you design accordingly. So, it, so with something like Bloodstock there, a very important client, so I will allocate a lot more time, sort of contingency time, to them than I will other jobs. Um, so I'll always anticipate there being, you know, various changes, various different um, approaches to things. So, so everything is done with it, with a mind that I need to be flexible, basically. So that, you know, you know that it, there's going to be an announcement every few months. Things might change. Um, so your your creative execution needs to be flexible. My time needs to be flexible, and I've just got to be available basically. So I make sure that you know I'm always on the end of the phone for them. I'm always replying to their emails first, um, and if something urgent comes up, then I will deprioritize another job in order to get their stuff done because obviously a lot more rides on it, and it works really well. I think over the the few years I've been working with them, they they've come to trust me to think um, you know I can offer them a very fast response which is what they need and what they like so so it's a good working relationship but but yeah there's there's a, a lot of flexibility required yeah i mean and and also i mean i i, I would have thought it's a kind of a it's constantly moving and and kind of updating isn't it i mean literally yeah. sort of right take take that logo out and put that one in yeah absolutely i mean and, and as with any event you know this isn't it's not relating to any specifics because i wouldn't but um you know, 
lineups change, you know, whether it's a small event or a big one. You get bands who are booked and cancelled, bands who, who various things happen to them that a lot of the time before the public are even aware. So you could create, you know, for example, a, a batch of, of 20 different pieces of art all ready to go. They've been done for three weeks before an announcement. Uh, things might change. A band needs to come off. And, and that's all, all 20 pieces of work have got to be changed. Then the knock-on effect of that is, is they've, they've got to go back out to all the PR and media agencies who've got them ready to go and queued up. You know, all these automated systems that people have in place to make sure things don't go out too early, don't go out too late. So being the sort of first point of everything happening as a designer, it's really important that I'm as quick as possible because I need to give all those other people, all those other links in the chain, the opportunity to do their job too. So you've got to be... You've got to be very fast, really, and I, you know, luckily that's one thing I can do, is I can work quickly. But I think if you're not, then the the, the domino effect of, of your tardiness can can actually cause a lot of damage to an event and an announcement. So it's yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. And if if you get it right, it feels it feels quite quite cool when something changes and you manage to seamlessly sort of get everything sorted before it goes out. Well, and well, well, exactly, and 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 you're right. You do have to, you do have to be able to be flexible and turn everything round quickly. Do, do I'm I'm interested in the act, the actual kind of the minutia here. Do you actually will you actually get right? This band's logo needs to be X size. This and um, this needs to be X size, and you know all these bands on this level of the bill need to be exactly the same size logo. And you know, I'm I'm just wondered about how how in think, detail that shit needs to be. I think all of that is, it, it, that needs to be factored in, but it's not communicated to me because I'm the, I, I mean, posters aren't difficult. When you're, when you're a professional designer, posters are quite basic. Um, the fact that I'm into metal means I understand the, the context of what I'm doing as well, which helps. So if I'm given a list of 10 bands, all I need to know is who's higher on the billing and I will automatically be able to put everything pretty much in the right size scale hierarchy. Um, and the chances are that if it's a really big band, that'll get sent off to the agent who will come back and say, no, we need ours to be, you know, 10% bigger than that because that's what big agents do to earn their money. Yeah. And then that might come back or it might just be a case of, you know, I think we need to make this band smaller, just, just you know, tweak things, but, but never anything overly prescriptive just because I kind of already understand that to a certain level, this is how it needs to look. So I think that's the, that's the benefit for me working for them is that they, they already know that I can do the basics in terms of all their execution and, and they'll just have to tweak it at the end. But yeah, I, I would imagine if someone was coming in fresh without the knowledge, then, then yeah, they would probably have to be very prescriptive over the science and the hierarchy of everything because, because that does exist on every poster. You know, if, if you've got getting down, like you say, down to the minutia, if you've got a, a a logo which is very long and thin up against a sort of a fat squat logo, but they're both at a similar level. It's, it's quite difficult to understand which one's got to be bigger because it's not about the overall space it takes up. It's just about how it looks. It's, it's a purely visual, subjective thing to make sure that the hierarchy seems equal if the bands are on an equal billing, even if, you know, there's a, a five-word logo which is ridiculously long versus a three-letter logo which is short and round. You have to just understand how to make those feel like you know they're fair, they're fairly weighted, really. Yeah, no, and and I completely get that as well. That you know, 
because you, you well the the other the other i mean you're saying you know what it's like you know you understand metal so you know what it's like but you've also managed bands so you, so you know that there's there's going to be certain well their <laughs> fucking logos much bigger than ours <laughs> <laughs> well it's true well, but, but i started off doing metal posters for free for people when i was managing rain of fury um just because i hated well i'm a control freak there's no doubt about that but i hated our logo being on a shit poster so I would volunteer to do the posters for free just so I could get that control and make it all look good. Um, and, and I did, did that quite a lot. That's probably how my business started, basically, because people would think I was a generous soul doing free work for them, which I, I suppose there was an element of. But mostly it was just I didn't like <laughs> what it looked like before, so it benefited all of us. But one thing I would always do is I would always put the, the bright yellow or the bright green version of our logo on a poster and the white version of everyone else's. So to the untrained eye all the sizes are right and the balance are right but if our band were near the bottom we still stood out I'd put our logo in the middle always in the middle even if there were four bands on the same level ours would be somewhere in the middle where I could carefully find some kind of standout for us just subconsciously so with that element of control I was I was able to give us a, a little bit more than other bands without really being unfair it's kind of almost designer's privilege rather than, than unfair <laughs> waiting but yeah I mean it's and I guess that's what, what every band wants. That's what every band does. They just don't always find themselves in the position where they get to control that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Handy to have a uh, uh, manager slash designer. That's what you're saying. Well, the, the, other, the other sneaky thing to do was is, is create a poster with, whose core colour happened to be the same colour as the logo. <laughs> so no matter what <laughs> logos are on there, if there's 10 different colours, only the logos that are the same colour as the background are the ones that feel like they really belong to the festival. That was always another sneaky one I'd do. So I did that three or four times. It looked really good. <laughs> Gives you kind of ownership over it. Right, definitely going to have you designing some posters. <laughs> <laughs> De- definitely, definitely. Um, well, people, if, if anyone could be bothered now to test it out and they go back through and see all the posters I've done, if anyone thinks on Facebook or something, they would see that. They would see that that's actually completely true. No, I used to do that all the time. Well, I look for. I was looking forward to playing Bloodstock uh, again at some point. I'm looking forward to it even more, seeing and seeing what you do with our logo. <laughs> yeah. be big, of be... course, when it comes to Bloodstock, I would never entertain such a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would, it's going to be bigger than the headliners. It's going to be the whole poster. <laughs> Um, just like yeah, Andy, Andy uh, for, some, for some reason they've got acid rain above metallic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've got, well, why, Andy? Yeah. Why? Why on the poster is there a big AR etched in the background? <laughs> oh no, no reason. Playing. Yeah, yeah. No reason. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, well, I, well, that's really that's that's really cool, and thank you for um, uh, thank you for uh, taking us uh, through the the design aspects of it all. But as you were saying, you um, you're even more involved with amplified. In fact, you did for the very the very first year it uh, it was on, um, which yeah. I do believe was 2017. You um, you booked uh, you booked us to headline your yeah, um, your second stage, which ended up getting uh, washed out, and we played in the uh, in the bar instead. <laughs> Um, well, kind of. That was a, almost a legendary moment, really. I think it's the the best unfortunate events that could have happened. The fact that do you know what? Uh, can, can I... It's been known for it, for its personal personality as a result, and obviously the way you guys handled it so professionally, or should I say, professionally and professionally. So you know, intentionally, casually. Uh, well, um, but, can but I that just was an amazing thing to do? Uh, can I just say you said professionally, unprofessionally. I some people have accused me of being unprofessional. 
by climbing behind the bar and pulling pints Hello. for the band whilst we were playing. I, however, think that as double professional. Not only was I singing in a band, I was also working behind the bar. So, I mean... <laughs> and it, you didn't die, because knowing yeah. the structure of the bar you were stood on and the fear that was uh, in, the, in the heart of those who also knew what we knew, the fact that you didn't die was a, was a definite bonus. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, now you tell me. No one's ever mentioned that they were a bit worried. Well, they were was... at the time, you know. They were, they were punters to keep happy. But the fact that you did that has is, is set a precedent because that that bar stage now has become Gary's sort of personality for his festival, you know. The fact that we, we now build, uh, you know, stages that come out, or a bar that comes out from the stage, which is reinforced and it's explicitly for those bands to come out and explore, is all down to that. And it's kind of, it's now the, one of the unique things about Amplified, that, it, that it's got this stage that's built around this up-close and personal thing where, where you can literally be at your, your hero's feet while they spill beer on you. Well, um, uh, well, I'll tell you what I told him. Blue plaque. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a blue plaque. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, well, given it's in a field, can we just not carve it into a, like a, a cow pat or something? Right, just, just what, what, you're in off season. There you are. What, whatever, <laughs> what, whatever it is. I mean, you know, what, what can I say? You know, um, improvisation is the uh, I don't know. Um, what is it? Oh, something. What's what's the uh, mother of invention? I'm trying to think of the. That's the one. Necessity. Necessity is the mother of yeah. invention, and it was just a case of, um, it, I I couldn't spend the entire time performing with the band in the allotted area because there was no stage, and when I'm on the if I'm on the floor, ain't no one seeing me, so I needed to remain <laughs> visual, and I couldn't spend my whole time on the drum riser. So fuck it, let's go and run up and down over the bar. But uh, but anyway, enough enough about uh, enough about our appearance. Um, uh, you are um, you've obviously uh, have you complete you've completed the lineup, haven't you, for your uh, for this year? Yeah, the, the only ones left. We're, we're doing a, a little bit of a, a battle of the bands uh, element to, to fill the last spaces, which is which is kind of an interesting thing because a, a lot of people, myself included, aren't, aren't fans of the the battle of the bands format, but. We kind of thought, well, we, we know why we're doing it, and we thought, fuck it, it doesn't matter what people think of it, we're doing it for the right reasons, because, you know, I, I can only talk personally about my stage, but I had, for the last sort of three or four spots, I must have had 20 to 5, 30 bands that I really struggled to decide on which ones to put on, because there's such an amazing, at that level, that emerging level, there's su such an amazing choice of UK bands, that it's really hard to decide, so when it came to sort of going through the applications and and doing a battle of the bands to fill in the last spots, what we've basically got is just someone else making the hard decision for us. So rather than me having to commit to putting one band in and leaving another six or seven out, we decided, well, put it to the public vote. We, we, we know that sometimes it's going to be mates of the bands that will, that will vote. We know sometimes it will be people who are being honest about it. And, and, and the bare fact is we need the PR, they need the PR, you know, and, and everyone benefits from it. You, you could be cynical about it, as, as I have been over the years, but but actually, if everyone gets to see the festival, everyone gets to see these bands' videos and and talk about it, then it can't be all that bad. And ultimately, you know, we're we're a young young festival. We need to help too. So so doing this is going to fill the the, the final remaining um, spots and end with a little showcase where we get a, get all these great finalists together on, on stage, which will be amazing because the quality is so good. So it's a, that that will be the final stages to uh, securing the, the the last spots. Yeah. 
Oh, that's cool. That's, and and I mean, uh, this isn't something I thought of, but you'd be in a, yeah. Obviously, that first year, um, there was a certain amount of um, of negative press to come out of that, which um, uh, I have. I've had uh, Jenny Duncan, who does the marketing for Stone Deaf, was on part one, and mm. you know, and they 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 had a great festival off without a hitch. You know, beautiful weather. Everyone saying, you know, how how great it went and all the rest of it, and you guys, you guys had the opposite of that. You had fucking horrendous weather, biblical rain. It was awful. Yeah, I mean, it, we we yeah. can't hide it. I mean, you 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 try and spin things positively, but it, it kind of did itself. We had there were a number of elements. You know me, I'm always honest. But we we had a couple of people involved in the festival who it turned out absolutely didn't have the best interests at heart. Now. One thing I, I know, and, and this is the absolute truth about Gary, is he's only put this festival on because he loves what he's doing. He, he's he's got no idea um, how to how to benefit, you know, personally or financially from this sort of thing. It just doesn't even enter his mind. So everyone he had involved in that first year, it were it was friends, people he thought, you know, had the same passion and a shared attitude towards it. And he got he built the team, a very small team, too small a team. He built it out of friends and people he thought he could trust, and he was let down really badly. I think when the when the colossal rains came in to that event and started causing problems, and they did expose, you know, a few weaknesses in our organisation, things we we hadn't planned as well as we could. Um, I think some people basically, you know, just just buckled down and did the work, and some people uh, decided self-preservation was the option. And there were a few people who basically pulled back. If there were closing stages, they wanted to make sure their bands were the ones who were getting the spots. They didn't care about other people's. They weren't looking at the overall picture of the festival, you know. Yeah. For example, the bands that were paid the most, who had come the furthest, should be prioritised because of the festival, because of, of Gary's money, you know, his, his investment in it. Whereas they would be fighting to sneak on, perhaps, you know, a, a band in this tiny little stage, because it was their mates, when, when actually, you know, we should have been looking at the bigger picture. So what we had um, is, is basically people who didn't understand festivals. So they, they've been putting on gigs and doing so very well um, versus someone who, without experience, at least had the bigger picture in mind and, and there was a conflict of interest. So in that first year, the, the rain exposed a lot. Um, it caused a lot of problems of its own as well, but there were divisions. And off the back of that, there were some people who were basically looking after their friends, you know, and, and it's all done and dusted now but there was a lot of negativity put out trying to cover people's backs now now all we did on the other side of the fence was try to basically protect the festival we weren't looking at blaming anyone we were quite open about the fact that we didn't get everything right and the rain exposed that but we tried to look after all the bands we, we made sure the fans were as well looked after as many of the bands were looked after as they could be and that's all we cared about so to have a few other people you know trying to spread negativity about it was was awkward um but luckily you know we've done enough of a good job of the positive part and actually caring about people that the the positive aspects shone through and even though you know it was a it was a colossal washout i mean i've never seen anything like it genuinely never seen anything like it um people loved it they they loved the fact that it that they had to handle that adversity and and most of the people there saw it as a positive so when we came back next year, we, we pretty much kept everybody who, who had come the first year. Um, and those people had sort of passed on the fun and, and, and explained to people what we tried to do. We combined that with, you know, promises that we'd learned a few mis from a few mistakes. 
we were going to do a lot better. And we, ironically, we, we promised to improve the weather, which kind of bit us on the arse again. <laughs> Uh, because it was the hottest day of the year and everyone fried. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we 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 genuinely do things for the right reason. So if there was any negativity, it was because things didn't work out. There was there was nothing we did that was wrong. You know, we never, we never, we never fucked anyone over. We never, if there were, if there were any suspicions of, of things we hadn't done, that was through omission and we, we, we always sort, sort it out. And, and Gary's a good man like that. He's a very honest man. So, it was quite difficult to hear people he considered friends basically talking shit about him when, you know, he's not like that. So for me, as someone who, I'm not a fan of organising, for me, it made me decide I need to stay by his side. I need to come back next year and, and sort of back him up again and, and offer anything I can to, to make sure it works. And, and yeah, last year it was it was a lot better. Uh, well, I... I, I, I couldn't help but feel uh, a little bit jealous when I saw that um, you know when I saw your three days of absolute baking heat including the hottest day of the year when the previous year we'd been like huddled up and get <laughs> just like yeah but anyway um, I, no, I'm, well, it, I'm not... it was almost worse it was almost worse because <laughs> you look at some of the photos even even though you know some of the great bands on you, you look at some of the photos and there's no one in front of the stage because they all had to hide behind the underneath the the, the eaves of tents and, yeah. and in the trees just to avoid how, how blisteringly hot it was because these people would have killed themselves if they just stood out in it. So it was uh, it was insane. So yeah, all we can hope for next year is some kind of average weather. You know, that that would be perfect. Well, not many festivals can say that. Or they're hoping for average, but yeah. Well, to be, to, to be fair, I mean, at least you can get away from the rain, but you can't get away from heat. <laughs> no, well, you can, but then you're away from the festival because it's obviously it's, it's an amazing sight. I mean, you. How much you saw with the weather the year you were there, but it, it's probably one of the nicest sites in the country for a festival because it's just a beautiful farm. Yeah, um, and, there, and there there are there is a forest there, and there are trees you can go and escape to. But yeah, it's not really that's a bit too far away from from the <laughs> stage to hear the music. So yeah, Little Brown would be great next year. Ever ever so slightly. So um, when you're um, and and you know. When you're looking at booking bands, you put the second stage together. Is it all? Um, is it all bands you know? Is it all? Or like, oh, you know, and I'd, I'd like, I'd like to get them on. I'd like to give them a break. Um, or is there also kind of like, you know, a certain amount of dealing with agents? So I mean, you, you know, you sort your, you sort your stage out, and then you're helping Gary as well. So I'd imagine you've got almost like the two completely different experiences there. You've got dealing with yeah. sort of some people you know and people you trust, and then there's other times where it's into the lion's den, you know, we'd like so-and-so, really, make us an offer. Yeah, it is. It's, it's absolutely two sides to the, to, well, I'd say coin, but the sword is more of it. With my <laughs> stage, um, it's it's all people I know. Um, uh, the headline spots are slightly different. Sometimes it's bands I know, sometimes not. But all the rest of it, basically, through my clients, through the way I follow music generally throughout the year, I, I, I stay very, very much on the pulse for, for want of a, a less cliched phrase of exactly what's going on because other people recommend stuff to me constantly. Um, it's very rare I miss anything that's that's good just because people talk about it. The benefit of social media, as much as it's got its downsides, is musically, you know, I see everything that's going on. If someone likes something, it, it tells you. So I just chase things down. I always follow new bands. I always check out data and see how well people are doing, how many Spotify listens they get, you know, the things that can't lie. Um, and I follow stuff. And, and generally, because I'm, I've got broad taste, I, I like all the stuff. So 
I can very easily book, I would say, 80% of, of my three days uh, stage well, with a piece of paper in half an hour, I've just got to then drop the emails out to you who's available. Uh, luckily, most people come back with a yes. Um, with, the, with the opening spots, yeah, there is an element of, of doing favours, but it's as much as, you know, I'm, I'm, so, you know, I'm not in a position to, to say who's good and bad, but from my point of view, it's who I feel deserves an opportunity. So if there's a young band who I think really are talented but aren't getting that many opportunities, then... I'll bring them down, you know, and if you want to come and open the stage for them, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a really good thing to come and get that experience for us. Uh, the truth of the matter is I don't like booking opening bands because you know, that's always going to be the one where you've got to get people to, to literally come out of their tents and, and start watching. So there is that risk of there being, you know, a minimal audience. So it's a, it's a fine balance when booking bands, but you know, I, I want to make sure that people, bands who deserve it get an opportunity as well. I, I avoid oversaturation. So, if there's a great band and you want it and they play everywhere, okay, you're probably going to go for it if it helps out of a kudos. But generally speaking, if a, if a band, even if their close friends are on another five festivals, then I'll avoid them, which can be a bit awkward because they're mates and they're dropping the hints and you think, yeah, you're good enough and, and I, I love you guys, you're brilliant. But the fact is you play too many other events. So it's kind of all, all that kind of decision making. But um, it, it kind of takes care of itself. And then it comes to the headliners. Uh, Gary gives me a budget I've got to work within. Um, and, and generally, I'll go to bands I know first um, because I don't like dealing with agents if I can help it. Um, you know, and you, you get the the sort of gauge of whether they're interested, and then go to the agents if need be. Um, but it, but it's not too difficult on my stage. I've got the easy job. I think when it comes to Gary's um, the bigger bands, it's it's much more tricky because he's got to deal with the agents. So we kind of get involved together. He's the one who's the face of the, the festival with agents, but he always shares what they've said and what they've come back with. And, and they're cunts, basically. It's what we're saying to. Nearly all agents are absolute abhorrent bastards, and, and it's just a fact. I mean, that's, that's not my opinion. It, it's earned. There are a few who are diamonds, and, you know, you and I know, know one or two that we share our interests with who are, who are great people, and they do a difficult job, um, but they do it with integrity and the rest, honestly, they are just the, 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 the most abhorrent people I've ever had to work with. You're forced into working with these people. They hold all the cards when you're a small festival um, and you've just got nothing you can do. You're, you're just at their mercy and they seem to love it. It's, um, it's probably the, the, the least enjoyable part of, of anything to do with music is having to deal with people who, who aren't working because they care. They are literally just in it for their cut of the money and that's it. You know, if you're not the biggest festival, if you're not uh, invested in other areas that they might need you for, then you've got absolutely no chance. Even making huge offers of money won't sway them a lot of the time. You know, they'll, they'll just, they'll do exactly what they wish and they will please themselves and they'll keep you hanging as long as possible. Yeah, yeah. They'll just keep kicking the can down the road um, and trying to keep you hanging on and they'll use you if they need a payday on that date. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... You, They'll come to you, and, and you know we'll we'll Gary and I will we'll, we'll see an email come in, and our eyes will light up, thinking Jesus, that's great, they know us. But then you know you realize you learn to realize very quickly that that same email has gone to Bloodstock and Download and all the European festivals and pretty much everyone else who will listen. And they'll ask you how much you can pay, and you'll make an offer. Um, they'll probably ask you for more than they ask for the, the bigger festivals. Um, and they'll keep you dangling until they've got a, an answer from those festivals. And only then, only when they've been turned down, 
will will they talk to you? And even then, sometimes they don't. It's um, it's quite sort of soul destroying in some ways. But you know, as the, the best advice I've been given by others who do the same is, you've just got to toughen up and deal with it. But I think for someone like me, I don't really want to become tough to that because I think the moment I become tough to it. I'm kind of playing the same game. I, I want to be offended by someone's lack of passion. You know what I mean? I think I'd rather continue to book bands for a friend's festival and not enjoy it than be better at it and be an asshole. Do you know what I mean? I think for, for me, it's more important just to to not be like those people. I think you know, it just propagates the problem. Yeah, yeah. And it, and you had a. I thought you had a really impressive set of headliners last year as well. You know, yeah, they all clicked into place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Gary takes a lot of credit for that. He he thinks sort of left the field. I I know the the UK scene very well, the emerging scene better than he does. But he's got broader tastes, and you know, occasionally he'll he'll present this wild card, and I'm like, well, I don't know. And I kind of look into it and think, no, actually, this is this would be pretty clever. Yeah, and he he does pull some out of the bag. And in many ways, you know, his lack of experience, and he won't mind me saying this, his lack of experience of dealing with people can work as well. You know. Because what we've both decided is we don't want to book those bands who are who are dickheads or don't want to play. We want the bands who understand that we're a small growing festival, understand that we're passionate. And if they play for us, they might not play to the biggest crowds, but they'll play to a crowd of people who care about the festival they're at, who all know each other, who are all be you know absolutely into it. Um, and those are the people we want to we want to work with. So Gary's approach of of, of being he's not pushy at all and and friendly and and almost docile in some ways, intentionally docile with people, um, I think can actually, it helps pull out the good guys, you know, so those few good agents that we've talked about, you know, I think Gary's managed to find them and, and they seem to respect the way Gary works, probably refreshed that they're not dealing with, you know, hard-nosed arseholes as well. So it, it, sometimes it works, sometimes it clicks in place and a, a lot of time behind the scenes is very frustrating, but um, so far we've managed to, we managed to get a good balance and make things work. So hopefully we can keep that formula going. Um, well, uh, let's hope so. I hope so. And, and um, I'm trying to think. I know Therapy headlined one night. And um, who were the other two headliners? I'm. It's really annoying me. Uh, we had um, we had Evil Scarecrow on the Friday, who yeah. we'd had um, returning because they did an amazing job for us uh, the year before, even if we messed around a bit having to change stages, as as you're familiar with. Um, but they, they did a great job for us, and they're good friends of ours. So they came back. Um, I'm just trying to rack my brain think who we had now. Um, we're, both, we're both scratching our heads, aren't we? I'm having to visually look at the poster in my mind to see who we've got. Um, it, oh, idiot. It was Soil. That was the other one. Oh, of course. Which was, yeah, and another one of my clients. So that was this kind of... A nice coincidence in that I'd been working with them, so I knew them anyway. Um, and Gary had suggested them, and it kind of just clicked together. I thought, yeah, these are these are really good guys, so they'd be worth trying to talk to. Um, yeah, they, and they turned out they were the right band because you know, again, it wasn't the biggest crowd, it wasn't the sort of crowd they necessarily be used to, but they absolutely you know whipped them up and and got involved and got a bit pissed with them and jumped in the crowd and and made it everything it could be. So they were they were a fantastic band to have, really really good guys. Oh, that's cool, well. man. That's that's cool. So, um, I mean, are, are you gonna are you gonna have this very metal art second stage? Um, you know, five ten years down the line, and you know, you're gonna have you're gonna have uh, you know Megadeth <laughs> playing on it in, uh, in in ten years time. What's 
Um, what What's your kind of plan? I don't really know. I, I, the truth is, I, is I was getting a bit flaky with Gary for this year because it, I find it so stressful because of all the things I've talked about, about not liking to be someone who has to go through conflict to book bands. And um, I don't like worrying about how many people are going to turn up or worrying that things are going to go wrong. I, I'm just, I'm not made out for, for events. You know, I, I've got enough skills and common sense to be able to make a decent job of what I do, but I don't particularly enjoy it. I'm, I'm, it's more important to me that I'm helping out my friend than, than, um, than taking anything out of it. And whilst I'm sure there's probably benefits in me having my name there, um, for me, it is just about trying to help Gary sort of realise his, his dream. He's put so much financially and physically into it that, you know, it just feels right that one of my oldest friends gets that help from people. So I shall probably stand by his side as long as he needs me, but I shall probably uh, wobble a bit a few times as he's already experienced and nearly back out and, and get stressed. And But 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 probably, yeah, I, I think as long as he, he's got something that's growing and and doing what he wanted to do and we're doing what the, the fans want, then I'll probably, I'll stay with him. Although that said, if he could get a big sponsor to come in and take the stage, then that would be great as well, because obviously, you know, the more that, that would help him grow, the, the better it would be. Yeah, and and it strikes me that it's, it's not, it's kind of, it's not your favourite thing to do. No, not at all. I mean, I, I, I genuinely don't like it. I mean, I, I, I started off in music from, through doing a small charity talk called Headbangers Balls, which I think we've spoken about before anyway. Yes. But for, for, for the majority who probably still don't know who I am, um, that's how I got into music. I just I, I put the band I managed at the centre of uh, uh, cancer awareness tour because um, the singer of the band had survived cancer. And we were going to do a little charity gig. And I just thought, you know, let's see what we can do and ended up doing two years of 12 dates each year. Um, and it was a really great thing. It was a really positive thing. You know, we, we had so much support, some amazing gigs. Everything went perfectly. But I really didn't enjoy it. You know, I, I, it was, I found the, the stress and the anxiety and the worry of things going wrong almost overwhelming. And I, and I still get that experience. Anything to do with, with live events, I do get an overwhelming sense of, of, of stress leading up to it um, to the point where it does nearly stop me doing things. But it, it's rewarding enough in different ways that I, that I sort of fight through. But no, I, I, don't, I don't enjoy it in any sense of the word. I, I, I'm satisfied by other people's enjoyment. But from a personal point of view, I genuinely, and I mean this, I genuinely get nothing out of it at all, <laughs> as sad as that sounds. Well, no, not really. I mean, you know, we can't, we, we, we can't all, and I'm sure there'll be people listening to this who'll be thinking like, well, that's, you know, you're standing by your mate and that's, and that's really cool, you know, uh, and, you know, you, I guess it's, um, there is a certain amount of, it's, it gets your company out there you know the you know and you're you're sponsoring the second stage if you like um yeah. but uh, no i mean i i think it's admirable that um despite the fact it's not something that you particularly enjoy that you know you're prepared to get involved and get your hands dirty to help a mate out which um you know i i think that's um i think that's to be admired andy oh, i appreciate that yeah i mean i'm sure there are advantages to publicity for me but like I say I wouldn't mind if it wasn't my name on the stage I'd still do the same thing but it's also quite difficult for me to tell because I mean you know I'm in a privileged position where my work is always busy I'm always booked you know several months in advance so it's actually quite difficult to tell whether anything I do publicity wise is positive or negative because I'm still quite busy so whilst that continues you know maybe it's because I'm doing things like having my name on Amplified I don't know but 
it could just be because you know I know a lot of bands and, and they appreciate my work. So it's quite difficult to tell what I'm getting in reciprocation, but I'm, I'm sure there are definite benefits from it because there's so much positivity around Amplified and what Gary's built that. Yeah, it's going to reflect on me too if if we continue to put good bands on that people like to listen to. Oh, it's, it's brand awareness, love. Brand awareness. <laughs> well, I think any, anyone who knows me gets that run down there for anyway. So yeah, I'm not sure there's any room for any more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, I think it's it. I think I just think it's cool. I think the fact that you know you work with so many bands that there is. And that there is an opportunity to help some of them out as well, and and maybe, maybe you know play play a festival and and reach some more yeah. people. Um, and I told Gary this, and I'll tell you this: I still haven't played a fucking outdoor stage at a festival. <laughs> and the fir- I was going to get my first fucking yeah, talk about the how wonderful the bar was and all that. <laughs> That is out the window. I still haven't because the bastard got rained off. I was on that stage the two days before. You know, drove up there with all our merch two days oh, before the gig. And it was it was it's quite just, it's nice. It's a long-term plan for us to bring you back, mate. That's what it is. We're waiting for this album. I'd say it was a <laughs> quite... Tease you back. Two days before the gig, it was quite a nice day. Pete and I were actually on the stage. And I was, I was, I was stood there, I was thinking, this is going to be great. Well, it's reverse logic, H, you know, because like, it's like when you look at blood stock, you know, the natural progression, new blood through to Sophie stage, through to mainstays. But what we've done is we've set the level so low by actually taking away all stages and making you play in a wet corner of a tent. Yeah. That means whatever we offer in the future is going to sound attractive, hopefully. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see whether that works. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I've, uh, I've got your answer right here for you, but unfortunately you can't see it. <laughs> Um, so, um, so have you got any? Uh, have you got any exciting projects in the works at the moment? I've got a few. Yeah, I don't know what I'm allowed to say or not. I, well, I, I'm working. I've, I've got a project I'm, I've just finished for a band who are one of my favourites at the moment, which is Dust Bolt, German thrash band. If if anyone knows them, um, so I've just finished doing a lyric video for their latest, uh, well, their first single off their upcoming new album, which is great. Um, I've got a couple of other biggies coming up, but I don't think I can mention it, unfortunately, um, uh, uh, because well, people don't know that their music's coming out, so I'll probably drop them in with that. Well, you but can. Yeah, I've got some, I've got you, some good stuff. You can, you can mention one. <laughs> well, but, what, yours? Yes, you fucking oh, stupid I, bastard. I, I, of course, I, I, ours. <laughs> are, we, are we talking that level, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what yeah. we've talked about in the past yeah. or not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hang on, I'll just get the back of the fag packet out. Um... <laughs> Yeah. That is how we work. That <laughs> genuinely is. Well, no, I can't wait to do that. Yeah. So obviously, we've been bashing yes. ideas around left, right, and centre, and I'm I'm in the middle of developing some stuff for for the new Acid Rain album. Oh um, yeah, that was um that was cool the other the other day where we were like knocking those messages about, and it was just like you know you you you'd have an idea, and then I'd add to it, and then you'd add to that, and it was just like they were just you know, and we just kept going yes. Yes, well, yeah, that I mean, right. it's, yeah, it's really it's cool. All going back to the, the the question you asked me via your your Patreon um, Q and A about me, how I work, and, and and do I sort of go offline and analog and and design in in different ways, or is it straight to digital? I mean, whilst I didn't sort of do any sketches with you, it's, I think you're the only person, the only client I work with in that kind of way, in that we just have lots of ideas, we discuss it, and then we wait, and then. 
we both go away absolutely certain we've nailed it and then change our minds and then yeah. come back and have new ideas and get new inspirations and, and it's really it's really refreshing to work in that way you know with one or two people where you could do something slightly different and the fact that there is a little bit of time although you know obviously we need we still work to deadlines there's a bit more flexibility in getting the best solution rather than just nailing it now and and it's a nice it's a it's a really creative way of doing things which i really enjoy now that's it's not just about nailing a, a polished execution it's about making sure that it gets under the skin of, of what the music's about because you're extremely passionate about what you do and i've been lucky enough to be part of the process and i'm hearing the early mixes and the demos and We've had a beer and talked about what you're writing and why and what your experiences are when you're writing it. And all of that goes into informing how I approach it. It adds a really positive pressure to what I do because I know each time I find out something more, I've got to up my game a bit. I know I've got to nail it and, 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 and I, I'm kind of motivated by that. So it's got an exciting way of working and I, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be great, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> well, no, it is, I mean, we've had the luxury this time because... It's it's kind of like yeah, not being up against a deadline, and um, whereas you know, obviously most things that you know most jobs that you get, it's like right, you know, we'd like you to do this, yes, and we need it then, and that is it. Whereas yeah. we have been able to kind of have many conversations and just knock ideas about and think we've nailed it, and then we haven't, and and yeah, I mean, I I'm uh, all about the creativity, bro. You know, it takes. It takes as long as it takes, and that's certainly the way the rest of the well, albums go. You, you've got a very visual way of, 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 of thinking in, in terms of visually and in, in, in practical senses in the way I work. You know, you can, you can see that how you want things to look as well, whereas a lot of people might only be able to do it in terms of vernacular, and, and, and I have to translate words into images, and then hopefully that's the right thing. I think you see, you go through the same process as I do in, in terms of the way you think things. You have the same way of, of sort of consuming... Um, imagery around you and, and, and influence, and then when we come to discuss it, the, the same way that we get on when we when we chat is that we both got very different ways of approaching things, and so we kind of come together from different perspectives, but always meet in the same place. So, it, so I think it, it informs the final product in a in a, a very unique way. I think um, it's a, it's a, a properly collaborative process, which uh, which I don't really get with many clients, partly because of the amount of time I have to work with them. Yeah, yeah, no, and and you know, look, I I I agree with that, and I uh, I enjoy, um, I I enjoy the process, I really do, um, and when you say that we both end, we we both come from different angles, but end up in the same place, that would be the pub. Yeah, yeah. This one of the country. Yeah, <laughs> I'm from England. I come from Wales. Back. <laughs> that's it. That's either it's either uh, it's either a pub in uh, in London. Well, not anymore since you moved away, you bastard. So I left you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Since you walked out on me, left me, <laughs> left me holding the the nothing. Um, but um, yeah. <laughs> I, I took great pleasure in posting those pictures on your Facebook when you put like when you first moved into your new house, and and and, and you um and you and, you know you posted the picture of the family all at the new house and everyone posting going oh it's brilliant I was so pleased for you and just posting pictures of me stood outside your old house looking miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Except that you were set out my next door neighbour's house. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely creased at that. Brilliant. You could just see like six inches of my house in the corner of the front door. Yeah, <laughs> it still works. And, and, and the, um... You never actually came in. You kind of 
we, we kissed and said goodbye outside, didn't we, every night? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And also the fact, it, also the fact that um, that uh, I remember I, I, I posted something. I can't remember what it was, but um, I, some, somebody took it seriously as well and thought, uh, obviously, I'd put something sort of negative or whatever and they posted a, a reply being really positive like you know and, uh, I love it when that happens and you just leave it just, yeah. just knowingly ignore it yeah. oh dear oh, was, uh, yeah that, that was good um, well look, uh, I, look I really appreciate you coming on I really do um, always a pleasure talking through festivals and uh, and art and, and, and all the rest of it and uh, all of the other many parts of your um, multifaceted um, very metal arts empire um, uh, and... <laughs> it's nice that someone wants to listen H I tell you <laughs> well, I've only got my cat to talk to normally you know well, she's supposed to, to feign interest but she, she just wants the food well I, look I'm, and, I, I just, and I just want the album cover to be honest <laughs> <laughs> and I just want the publicity. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, 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 we're all going to get what we want then, aren't we? It's all happy at the end of the day. Um, well, look, I'm, I'm pleased to um, wish uh, your lovely lady a happy Christmas and um, I shall do. and uh, say hello to the kids from Uncle Howard, which just sounds weird given I've um, <laughs> I, they've only met me once. I think it was that. I think we had a few beers in the beer garden, didn't we? And you brought oh, the they kids. always remember you though. They, they do remember you. you. Made an impression. Oh really? <laughs> oh shit! What did I do? Um, well, I've shown them videos. It's not not many of my friends I get to uh, show videos of them jumping off things as well. So that always <laughs> helps with the seven and a nine year old. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, because I, I, yeah, no, yeah, I'm starting to, I'm starting to remember our, um, uh, yeah, our uh, our session in the uh, in the beer garden. Not that it was a session, because obviously you had your your kids with you, but um, but yeah, right, okay. Like, um, I've taken up enough of your time. Thanks a lot, Andy. I really appreciate it, mate. Absolute pleasure, mate. Have a good one. Cheers. And that is myself and Andy having our chat about festivals. And there you go. It's all happening. We are back. Back to discuss absolutely anything. Um, I'll tell you what I'm going to tell you, right, okay? I'll be honest with you. I've already done this podcast once. Yep. Did the whole thing. And... Before I went to uh, export it, I unplugged my USB-powered mic and blue screen of death, my fucking laptop, and lost the whole thing. Normally, um, it does save them and it recovers them, um, but not this one. So I've had to sit here and do the whole fucking thing again, and there is nothing more depressing than doing an entire job that you've already done once is there now so there you go whatever you're doing it, it it could be worse than that but yeah absolute fucking pain in the ass but anyway look it's been a great year really enjoyed doing this lots of things coming up next year i'm i'm i am looking at bringing another podcast out as well um it will be another one in the talking bollocks suite of podcasts um it will involve musicians comedians actors all sorts of different people um and um uh yeah it's just going to be something a little bit different i hope you like it um and um yeah it should be a good laugh more about that you i'll, I'll let you you will hear, hear you will hear it here before anyone else um but unless of course you're a patreon subscriber in which case you'll hear it before everyone else here's this 
and before they hear that. But there you go. Anyway, um, look, it's been a great year. This is another um, just short of five hours of Christmas content for you fuckers. I hope you appreciate it. Um, it's been really good fun. I've uh, done all sorts this year, eh? Been up to been up to Derby with Godless for... Um... Oh, and that reminds me. Fucking hell, get your asses along. If you haven't already got your tickets, get your tickets to the live podcast. Come in your way. In fucking January. Come on, get on the Talking Bollocks social medias, get the Etc. Theatre and find out where and go. Come on now, people. So anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure. What do you do? Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for your support this year. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to next year and getting stuck in and doing some more of these for you. But until then, happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Winter Festival or happy nothing you don't celebrate christmas fine that's absolutely fine i'm cool with that so's everyone else this after all is a safe space to listen to your podcasts um and remember when you go to a live gig shout bollocks and if you hear somebody shout bollocks shout bollocks back and that way you know you've got some bollockers in the building see you all well i won't see you all next month speak to you all next month cheers <laughs>